at the museum with Alan and Daniel. We'll talk about the Cardinals all night long. Everyone come gather around, listen to your favorite sound. We'll talk about the Cardinals all night long. We'll talk the games and all the rest about the team that we love best. We'll talk about the Cardinals all night long. Good morning. It's another edition of Meet Me at Mutual. I'm your host, Daniel Shopton. C70 is about at C70. On Twitter with me, as always, Alan Medlock from A Medlock One on the Twitters. We are coming to you Friday morning after the Cardinals finally pulled out a win in Miami. Um, and Alan, as we were talking a little bit before the show, you know, you have the three games with New York, you win two of those, and there was a decent chance that the Cardinals could have won. I mean, they led three of the four games in Miami late, they could have won all all of those games. Instead, they only pulled out one. Um, it kind of really changed momentum there to lose two games in Miami. Yeah, that's something they haven't had all year is momentum, and then they shoot themselves in the foot when they do. Um, yeah, just like we talked about, it was it was kind of nice just to see even the standing in the situation that they are in the season. That's just an ugly deal to win the series against New York over a holiday weekend. I, I was like, okay, this is cool. This could be the highlight of the year. Let's see what kind of uh, let's see what kind of momentum it takes into Miami. And uh, for uh, you know. They played decent three of the four games, and and uh, you know you only walk away with one of them when when Flaherty has to pitch a gym to do it, and then they lose in ways that you just look, you just thinking, you know what, this is this is the 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 timestamp of this is just simply not their season, and this is the oddity of the year. Yeah, I mean, if you want to label this season, it's it's you know Murphy's Law season because they, everything has pretty much anything that could go wrong has go wrong. Um, they've lost in so many different ways, but if you still had any kind of, not you, anybody in general had any kind of hope on this team, it had to go away when Jordan Hicks put a ball about 15 feet over, um, Paul Goldschmidt's head. Um, cause when you're losing a game like that, it is, it's not your year. There's just, there's just no way. Um, it is, but like, uh, like we were saying, it may be, it could be a good thing that they didn't win that series. If, depending on how you look at this thing, because if they had won the New York series and then they win the Marlins series, like I say, there's a little momentum. The front office makes it a little easier for them to say, well, you know, we're finally starting to click. Here we go. Even though you're still 13, probably at that point, 12, 13 games under 500, not to count how far you out in the division. Um, and so we're going to, you know, hold steady. We're going to, you know, look to add, you know, whatever it, it really feels like this series, if should have, should have given the front office a lot of clarity that it's not happening and you need to start preparing for next year and maybe the years beyond if at all possible. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then you know, you you think that you're going into a situation. You're going into a situation 
with the, in a series with the team that's a lot that you may be looking in the mirror, you know, with the, the White Sox to where you could probably win two or three. And then you think, well, let's get this reset done. Let's start figuring some things out. And let's see if we can't gain any traction. You know, it's funny, even as bad as they, they are record wise and what we've seen as in poor play and, you know, the, the you know, pitching being terrible and uh, the defense being maybe even worse, something that's just not what we're used to. I'm still not convinced they think they're completely out of this. I don't know if that's the company line, if that's the public persona, or if that's what they truly believe. So, yeah, I, I, I'm curious to see how it goes after this weekend and through the week and see what we could kind of hear, see what the tea leaves kind of shake down. Because, like you and I spoke between the show or before the show, this could be an egg on their face situation if they don't move some of the pieces that they that you think they have to move. Yeah, I think that I really hope, as you're saying, I'm hoping that they're just, you know, what they say in public and what they do in private are two different things. Yeah, right? I mean, yeah. They're you, you gotta you gotta you know you can't go out and say yeah we're giving up because um, one that's not a good way to get people to come to the ballpark the rest of the year. Two. It's also um, not necessarily great for your bargaining position. Uh, even if other teams kind of know where you're at, it still public perception helps some. But if they actually believe that, that they, you know, aren't really sure yet, or they're looking at all these different ways, you know, I it, it, it kind of makes you feel like they see what they want to see, not what actually is there. Because this team isn't going anywhere. I mean, it's currently 15 games under 500, which again, try to get to, if they could get to 500 by the end of the year would be a remarkable achievement. Um, that's like, I think I like, we did the numbers. It's like playing at a hundred something win pace for the rest of the year, just to get to, to 500 or a little above. So that's, that's a challenge in and of itself. And I know this division's weak and I know that 500 would actually get you, you know, in the race, but, Somebody's going to win this division at 88, 89 wins. Probably the Reds have played pretty well, even though their pitching staff is, is starting to get some injuries. Um, you know, the Cubs have still, I think the only team that has a positive run differential, it, you're not going to pass four teams and you're not going to win this division with 83 wins or anything like that. Um, so I don't know. And, and this is the one opportunity you have, as you said, to cash in some assets, to be yeah. the seller in a, in, a, in a time where so many people are trying to either buy or hold stay because they're close because of the expanded playoffs. There are very few sellers and there are very few sellers with actual assets. I mean, Oakland could sell, but there's nothing they have. The Rockies don't really have a lot either that they want to get rid of. Cardinals have a lot of different pieces that can be very attractive. And I'm not saying you're going to bring in, you know, a superstar or anything like that, or the next big prospect, but you can really restock the, the minor leagues or at least get some value for these guys. And if you hold on to them, just, I mean, if you hold on to somebody like Jack Flaherty, you're getting nothing for him. Cause you're not even going to extend him in a qualifying offer. Um, you know, you've, it feels like you have to take advantage of this one. Hopefully let's, let's put it this way. Hopefully one rare opportunity, because we don't want to be in this situation again uh, anytime soon. It's been 20 something years now since the Cardinals have had this opportunity and they should take advantage of it. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I felt like you had a good tweet yesterday about, uh, you know, the guys that pitched in last night's game may not be there 
you know, mm-hmm. in, in a month. And it's interesting to see. I mean, I, yeah, I would think, yeah, I, one, I think you're probably, you're spot on. I think that that uh, is one of the rare opportunities that you could do a massive upgrade and still keep your assets to be a, a contender for next year. Um, and that's something we haven't seen. I mean, honestly, that may be looking at the, just the bright side of what's such a down season, but that's kind of exciting to me the aspect of, of what they could possibly do with some of these guys. As much as I'm a fan of Montgomery and I would like to bring him back, it does make a lot of sense to, hey, let's just see what's out there and let's see what we can get in return. And, of course, it's not going to be as great as you want because he's on a short term. But, hey, you do hold the bargaining power now, which is something that you haven't had in years. Yeah. And, again, we talked about we talked about it way back in spring training. Well, maybe you and I didn't because you were, you were playing baseball. <laughs> but, um, but you know, the you know, organization and stuff did not – extend Montgomery like we expected him. They went for Miles Michaelis, which is understandable to some degree because they're comfortable with Michaelis. Montgomery had been really good when he came in and scuffled a little bit at the end of 22. So maybe they wanted to see what else was there. But, you know, the fact that they didn't engage with him then, knowing that they probably wouldn't be able to during the season, um, I don't know. It kind of indicates to me that they're, and and I think their ship has sailed. I, I don't think Montgomery, when you're, two or three months from free agency when you were a guy that looks at the market that's coming up and knows that he'll be one of the top guys out there is going to then necessarily just settle. I mean, he's going to go to the free agent market. And once he goes to the free agent market, unless the Cardinals do something that they're not used to doing, which you know, the, there's an argument to be made, they're going to have to do some of that this, this off season, but they're not going to outbid, you know, who knows? Maybe the Yankees, maybe the Yankees will get Montgomery back. Who knows? Or somebody like that. They're not going to outbid them. Uh, when he hits the free agent market. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's as, you know, you can give him a qualifying offer if you want to, but he's not going to take it. Uh, so you, this is a chance to, to get real value with him. I, I think it's a mistake that they haven't extended him, but I just don't see that they're going to do that, unfortunately. Yeah, and there's probably a lot that goes on that goes behind the scenes that we just don't know about. Mm-hmm. I felt like he is much more surly this year than he was last year, which, you know, uh, probably says a whole lot about, you know, the negotiations that took place. Um, yeah. You know, I, I'm not sure. You know, there, <laughs> I do kind of wonder about the, uh, you know, I'm sure we're probably going to get into it with the the Leahy um, call up and Libertor going down. We'll probably get into some uh, more of the what could be pitching type scenarios. But it's funny, even if you talk about some of the guys that we saw last night not being there, I will like to see who they do have that, that will throw whether that's people they bring in or guys that they're going to give extended looks to in the second half. And uh, that could be interesting. That could be something we have, we have, I don't know if we've ever seen. No, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think you've ever had this opportunity where you, you basically have written off the season and you're trying out, you know, doing the open tryouts. I don't, I, we've not, we've not seen that at least not um, since, you know, who knows what 1990 or something. I don't know if they did it then because they had a lot of, you know, free agent types then that they turned sure. around. So uh, I don't, I don't know if there has been a, a situation like that, but yeah, I think that you're right. They got to cover those innings somehow, even if they trade off every, every arm, which actually leads me to, and you mentioned that what I, that tweet that I wanted to put out, but I wanted to ask you, it was a little game to, to play. Um, those four pitchers and I'll, I'll rattle them off here as we go, but tell me your odds of them, still, my, the the trade deadline is August first. My birthday is August second. So, what are the odds of 
any of these pitchers being on the Cardinals on my birthday after the trading deadline. And we'll start with Flaherty. What do you, what do you think the odds are that Jack Flaherty is a Cardinal on August 2nd? I'm going to go surprisingly higher than you think, but about 35%. Okay. Okay. Um, that's I would probably say that to, that to 40%, just because – they they should trade Flaherty. I agree. They want to, they want yeah. to trade Flaherty, but I don't know, you know, what the market is for Flaherty. Then again, if there is any market, I mean, if you get a couple of, you know, double A prospects back, is that better than just letting him walk at the end of the year? It, maybe, maybe not. Like you said, we got to cover some innings. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think he's gone. But you're right; it, it may not be as as uh, much of a slam dunk as we thought. No, I agree. And the way that I feel like they're going to handle Flaherty is he has been an open pro player stance from day one, and that's ruffled mm-hmm. some feathers. And I think it may have ruffled their feathers. And I think there was a little bit of, of uh, you know, you're pretty outspoken for, you know, not living up to the hype of 2019 type mm-hmm. deal. I, you know, not not an outward approach. I just feel like that's kind of what some of the fan base had thought. Um, I think that that would be the ultimate give up. For them, they would have to sell that as, hey, he deserves to be in a, in a spot that we're just not in this year. Let's make the move. Still, I, it wouldn't surprise me if he finishes the season and they kick the tires knowing full well that they probably aren't going to re-sign him, but they want to look like they do. Yeah, it may be. And, there's, you know, again, we've said this before. You know, bef- like a year or so ago, we figured Jack Flaherty wasn't going to re-sign with the Cardinals because the Cardinals couldn't afford him. Now it's... We don't know if the Cardinals want him. Sure. Uh, it, it feels like he's yeah. going to be in their price range. And that I wouldn't necessarily completely rule out a return because I do think Jack Flaherty has, in general, I liked, you know, his connections with Bob Gibson, his connections with Adam Wainwright. He's got, a, I think, a fairly positive time, a view of his time in St. Louis. But I just feel like he's a guy that's that's a change of scenery guy, right? I mean that he need he even if he could come back, he probably should go somewhere else because he's he's it's only going to be the same thing here. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, and that's uh, you probably hit the nail on the head on that. I, the um, and not necessarily for a bad blood type scenario, but it kind of sometimes mm-hmm. feels like that, and I'm not necessarily sure why. Yeah, yeah, I I don't know. Yeah, maybe some of the behind the scenes stuff. Um, but yeah, it does feel like, but then again, this front office doesn't seem to have a like really great relationship with almost anybody on their staff yeah. on their team. So uh, I don't know. Okay. Uh, let's see. So following Jack Flaherty was Giovanni Gallegos. Oh, God. Um, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say, what do, you, what do you think the odds are that he stays? That's one I bet is probably going to be about 15%. Uh, I would think that that's going to be a, par- a fairly high, uh, um, I, I feel like that would be a good move for them, the, especially the bullpen pieces. You, you well, we'll start here, but but I think that he was is almost certainly at the door. You think so? I do. Okay, I, I think that for me, I'm thinking not that I don't agree with that because I do think that if they could get something for Giovanni Gagos, they should. But he does have another year of control. He has been fairly good for the most part. I mean, he has his struggles. Um, and I think that the front office might see that as almost more too much of a rebuild. So I, my feeling is he probably stays. I'm like probably 60, 40 stay. Um, again, I don't know that I agree with it, but I have a feeling that 
they're more likely to just trade off the ones that are free agents. I could see the I could see them just trading off free agents and stopping yeah. instead of you know you know maybe really appreciating the market of what it is. So that's my thinking. But you know I understand what you're saying, and and I think that would probably be the right approach. Well, and I, I think that they're going to gamble on the. Uh... Um, you know, he has been a great Cardinal. Don't get me wrong. And, and he's one of those that I've uh, had a lot of faith in coming out of the bullpen. I feel, I think they feel the same way in the way that they use him. Um, but I also think that in the back of their mind, they're thinking, Hey, in a bullpen, this is a crap shoot. Every time we bring them out, you know what I mean? Because you're going to, the, the fluctuations of the pen are high and low. And that could be a situation where, you can get probably one of your more immediate re- and better returns with a guy like Gallegos with the track record and the back of the bullpen for, from a or back of bullpen potential from a uh, from a playoff team, and I think the return could be pretty good on that. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't argue with that. I, we'll see how that goes because I think that was one's a little bit more interesting than maybe some of the other ones. All right, then it was Chris Stratton. Chris Stratton came in. So what do you think the odds are of him staying in St. Louis? Yeah, probably about the uh, – Stratton, I, I I don't like to do this just to douse, you know, water on a flame or, or down downgrade the guy as a player. You know, he's been around a little bit. Um, I feel like that could be one. I want to say around a 20% on him. Um You'll see where I'm going on this bullpen pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. About a 20% because I think that those are the guys, if you they get a call on it and they get a if they get a favorable or I mean even an equal return, I think they're gonna make the move on those. I think boy, I'm almost to the point where I think there's a zero percent chance Stratton is back. I, I, I mine's pretty low. The, the only I probably could have gone lower on that, but I agree with you. Yeah, I think that's the kind of those are the kind of solid, you know, arms that get traded. I mean, look at what how the Cardinals got him right. They got him as part of the the Jose Quintana trade last year. Um, that's the kind of guy that a contender needs in the sixth or seventh inning, a, a low end. And it's not going to again. It's going to cost you a you know double A prospect or something like that. It's not like it's going. And he may be a throw into some other deal or something of that nature. But I just I, as much as he's been effective for the Cardinals and, you know, could be really helpful. Uh, you know, he's not going to, I don't think there's a kind of, the kind of guy that they would sign again. They might, but they would also, they would have be free to sign him off the free agent market. And I don't think that would cost them as much. So yeah, yeah I, I, I think I'm not saying he's the first one out the door, but I think he's probably not around. Yeah, no, I could see that as well. And that's kind of that. I, I feel that with a lot of the bullpen. And that brings us to Jordan Hicks, who has, you know, the misstep on uh, Wednesday night, notwithstanding, been very, very dominant over the last two or three months. Um, He has, you know, he has the arm that people look for. um, And, you know, remarkably enough, will be a free agent at the end of this year, uh, a homegrown Cardinal kind of guy. What what are the odds that that Hicks are in is in St. Louis on the second? Less than ten percent. And and I say that is I think that will be the big move that they make because I think they're marketing him. I think that you could sell high right now. I think you could sell on potential, and I think people are going to be all over it. I, it's pretty solid. I I can't really argue much with that. I I feel like it may be a, a little bit higher. I think 
there might be a little bit of, you know, loyal. I don't want to say loyalty because it's not right the word, but that guy, that kind of thing of we brought him up and we hate to get rid of him type of thing. But yeah, I think that given what he can do and what the market is for him, um, I think he's one that they won't like Stratton. I think they would trade for whatever. I mean, they may have idea of what they want, but when it comes down to it, they'll just move him for whatever they can. I think Hicks is somebody that if they don't get at least pretty close to what they're thinking, they'll just hold on to him and let him go to the free agent market. Um, because, you know, when we talk about trading all these guys off and, and I fine with that, you know, and even Ryan Helsley's name has come up as he starts to work his way back. Sure. But, you know, they got to have somebody to pitch in that bullpen. And there's not a whole lot of, I mean, like you said, you brought up Lee Hay, uh this week. Uh, they brought up Zach Thompson and Dakota Hudson, who may start, who may relieve. Um, I don't know what other arms there are at, you know, at Memphis, whatever. And, and, you know, they may get some free agent veteran contract guys back in this just to cover some innings, but somebody's got a pitch in the sixth, seventh, eighth and ninth uh, after August 1st. Yeah. It's, I think their bullpen is going to be decimated with the idea that Helsley will come back and be the guy that, that throws a little bit that, that they keep. Um, you could sell high on him. If he was, if he was uh, healthy though, um, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I think the bullpen that will be the one that's, that's just decimated and they'll, they'll, they'll figure it out from there. And that's, you know, with the potential or the expectation that they're going to do anything at all. Um, the, which we, I think that you and I both agree that they have to, and that they, that they will, but mm-hmm. you know, to see all the guys, I mean, we, like me personally think that it would be a good move, good deal to, to trade any of those and potentially yeah. Montgomery after tonight. You know, just to just to see what you have, but then you have to fill those spots back in. But you know, I don't know if they want that perception of of uh, looking like they're giving up. And you know, you're right; they still have seats to fill. Yeah. Um, and that's just the pitching staff, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we, you know, that's six, five, six, seven guys right there that could be going. There's also, you know, Paul DeYoung's possibility. Um, you know, Burleson, Yepes even Carlson in theory, um, Tyler O'Neill, um, you know, those kind of guys. So there's a lot of different options that may be out the door. When do you think, because we know Joe Mose like typically doesn't make deals when he's buying until the, you know, 48 hours before the deadline, if that, you know. Do you think that they will, because they have, one, a lot of guys they could be moving and two, in theory, a lot of interest. Do you think that, when do you think they'll make their first deal? I would love to see it like early in the week or even Friday, you know, on that, on the day that there's potentially no news at all, or I mean, not Friday, but uh, on Wednesday when there's no news at all, um, that would be awesome. I mean, and that's one of those things that I, I think even in a, in a losing slash winning scenario, We've always wanted them to see to be aggressive at this time, which they never are, you know. Right. And um, I think, that's, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was, I was going to say, I think that I agree. I'd like to see that to some degree. I worry about it less selling. I wanted to see them do it when they were buying because you got more of those, that player. You needed it. Yeah. And now it's like, you know, if you can maximize your con, your uh, 
return by waiting until the 25th or 26th fine that's that doesn't really matter to me because you know what's what are they gonna do in the meantime lose yeah. okay um but i do think that being that the draft is you know what sunday monday tuesday that you know that stretch of range or, or whatever i just think that front offices so focus so much on that and then yeah you know, trying to turn some of those some of those players that they you know they just don't get into they have to kind of shift gears around the the wednesday or thursday and so that's that's another reason not that they would have you know precluded it anyway but i think that really just rules out anything until ah, boy uh, you know the 20th may be the earliest that we yes. see a deal. although we've seen you know we saw aroldis chapman moved and we've seen um what there was one other move i think the mets made a small move um so they can be, but you know, I, I say especially now with the draft just almost here, and then the the aftermath of that feels like you won't see a whole lot of moves until you know ten days before. Yeah, it's kind of status quo. I didn't. I forget about the draft. The uh, yeah. um, I like that new format, by the way. But uh, but yeah, that that's something that I hadn't really even considered. You know, because they're they're working on those contracts just because the major league baseball draft is so different than the other sports, and the fact that it's all slot value that they're that that you're up against and the and the money that you have earmarked for each. You know, it's not like the nor like in the other major sport drafts. So so yeah, I'm sure there's a broad, probably a lot of check marks that have to happen in those front offices, and that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's one of those to where you'd love to see that one. They try not to make any trades on that Monday and Tuesday just to take away from the All Star, you know, from the mm-hmm. festivities or whatnot. But yeah, you're probably right. It'll probably be a dead end of the week. But you know, it's it's funny. I'm sure that the the phones, you know, blown up, you know, in the uh, administration office right now. Yeah, I'm, I mean, there's front offices can do more than one thing, right? I mean, they can prepare for a draft while working trade off trade offers, and I think that's true. But, you know, John Mosellock and Michael Gersh and Randy Flores have a little harder time splitting their focus. Yeah. Um, and so some of the groundwork can be done by the lower level staffers on both sides of that stuff, you know, whatever. But it, when it comes down to let's make the final decisions, there's only so many hours in the day for the, for those decision makers. So I do think that's, that's the biggest part of it. You're right. I mean, they've got, uh, assistant to the assistant to the assistant talking to the same kind of level on to on the Mets or the Red Sox or whoever, you know, and, you know, kind of getting some groundwork of, Hey, what would it take to get this guy? Or how interested are you in this guy or things of that nature so that they are not, you know, starting fresh after the draft. But I just don't, yeah, I don't think any decisions get made. Yeah. 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 That, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot has to be a lot going on, but you're right. I mean, that's uh, I love to see the inner workings on how this goes down in a uh, you know fly on the wall type deal. And we're starting to see the roster churn anyway. Of course, yeah. Adam Wainwright goes on the injured list this week, as did Andrew Kisner. Um, Kisner seemed like it's more of a precautionary thing, and you know the All Star break was coming up, so it wasn't going to be a you know he's not going to miss like 10 games. So he's just going to miss, you know, the last till the end of the first half. Wainwright, of course, is a different story. We've seen him struggle over the last three outings. Um, talk about shoulder issues. Um, you know, there's a little bit of 
pushback in the media. I know Brendan Schaefer wrote about it, um, about mixed messaging from the club of, you know, they'll say one thing and then all of a sudden the player comes out and says, you know, other oh, player, they say, Oh, he's fine. And then the player comes out and says he's hurt. And, yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, what do you take for that? You know, cause all he said, well, Wayne, has been dealing with injuries for years. <laughs> I think, I think that meant more of, you know, he's just an older player and he knows how to deal through sure. stuff more than there's a specific thing he's been pitching through for two years. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. I mean, it's one of those that uh, you can tell, tell kind of the context on how it was, but anything right now that, that Marmol says is going to be completely dissected pretty fully yeah. just because this this is such an unprecedented season for, you know, the anybody our age and younger that didn't live through the 90s. And, and even then, it was just a – you're just like, they just weren't very good. You knew they weren't very good. The right. roster wasn't right. very good. You know, one of those type situations. And and uh, those things happen. We have not seen that since then. So to have had, this, you know. It, the, and you had McGuire to distract you. In the, with, the yeah, without night. a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. And then you have the, uh, the uh, you know, you you move the manager of the year for Marmol, which, you know, some of us, mm-hmm. we, we didn't. It was always such a mystery. But now he's he's public enemy number one because he's the face of the uh, he's the face of the franchise as as far as media you know as far as talking heads. So anything he says is going to get dissected, and I feel like there's times that he, they may need to be a little bit more careful. What do you? Th- I want to get in. I still want to get to Adam Wainwright, but you bringing up Mermal. What do you? What is your thought on him? Because you're right, he is getting a lot of you know a lot of hate, a lot of pushback, a lot of they need to fire him. Um, what is your, I mean, you watch, you see the decisions, you see everything more than I do. What is your thought on, on him as a manager? I'm guilty of, and it took a little bit for me to admit this, to trusting the organization so much that when they made that move, it was like, okay, I feel like that has to be the right move then for them Mm -hmm. to do that. You know, he's up and, and I, even when he was through the, in the minor league ranks, there was a lot of talk that he was speeding through and he was going to be a factor before too long, you know, one of those things. And, and that, I, I think that kind of won me over thinking, okay, this is good. This is going to work out. This is going to be a long-term fix. Um, as far as the games, it, it's really funny. I just don't know how much outside of potentially being a motivator or peacekeeper in a clubhouse, mm-hmm. what a manager does much anymore. Because everything yeah. is so indicative of numbers. Like last night, I was so I it was I was fired up to see that they gave Flaherty the next hitter. You know, late in the game because you know the game situation with the with the uh, bullpen warm, two on, you know, one out. You thought, okay, this is going to be the situation where they come and get him. Well, he comes out there, pats him on the shoulder, turns around and leaves, and I was like, okay, this is the most gut reaction I've seen in a while. Now it didn't up end up working out, but. They, uh, they came out and, and uh, the bullpen did their job and, and they got out of it. Um, as far as as far as in-game management, I'm not even sure how much that's up to the manager anymore and how much it is to, you know, whatever uh, whatever graphic they have there to show the, the best scenario in that. So mm-hmm. it's so hard for me to say. I will – there is a smugness to Marmol that has kind of bothered me, but I'm also not so sure that that's just a young manager not ready to deal with what he's dealt with this year. That's fair. Um, you know, again, people, I think that, uh, 
you know, there's an idea that, you know, Marmol never played in the big leagues and Marmol doesn't have the experience and all that kind of stuff, which to some degree is fair. He did have, you know, he did manage in the minor leagues. He did have success in the minor leagues. He had, you know, he was bench coach for, for shield that year that they went to the playoffs. He went to the playoffs himself as a manager last year. So it, for me, it's really hard to just say when you're having this terrible year that you just got to fire the manager. Um, if, if this was the second or third year of this, sure. I get that. Um, but this, I mean, there's, we've talked about it. Everything has gone wrong. Um, and there's a decent chance depending on what this roster. And, and again, you know, it's the roster he was also given to, yeah. which, you know, the pitching staff is what it is. Um, I get that he could rub some people the wrong way. And I do think there's probably a little bit of trying to figure out what in the world is going on um, because he didn't, you know, he was successful in the minor leagues when he was coming yeah. up, you know, was in the playoffs. I think four of the five years he was in the minors. Um, you know, he's it's, this is a situation that nobody in this organization has really ever been through um, with the Cardinals. I mean, you know, Nolan, Nolan Arnado should know all about this coming from the Rockies, but um, so I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm just not ready to gut, you know, reaction of get rid of, of the manager after, sure. you know, a couple of bad months, which, you know, maybe, maybe they should, I don't know, you know, but I think that it's just a, we got to do something type of move and give credit to the organization. They aren't a panic organization. Sometimes we feel like they should, or at least be, take things more seriously than they seem to, but they're not a, you know, at the first sign of trouble, out somebody goes, even if they don't necessarily have anything to do with it. Yeah, there, there always has to be a sacrificial lamb. That's the mm-hmm. um, the outspokenness of social media as well. The uh, yeah. you know, it, you know, not to speak out of both sides of my mouth, but if they get off to a rough start next year, I bet that happens. Yeah, I, I think especially especially if they've done some work here at the trade deadline or in the off season that this team looks like it should be better than yeah. it was. And then if they get off to a slow start, they're not going to want to risk, you know, the same old, same old. And yeah, I mean, he, all he's seen is hotter than it should be for a guy that's only in his, you know, not even through his second year. But, um, you know, Mike Schilt's seat was pretty cool. It seemed like, and he was gone. So uh, you just never know what the organization's thinking in that regard yeah yeah without a doubt and it's uh yeah i don't know it's tough i mean not only can you tell that that this is one thing where i i kind of feel i wouldn't say bad but i think that everybody's on the same page Mm -hmm. a lot of the press conferences that he has you can just tell his hands are up and he's thinking hey i'm saying the best i can but i don't know the answers to this either well i feel like you can get that from mo when he speaks from Jim Hayes when he when he interviews these guys that they're just like we can't figure it out we just can't get going and I feel like you could take it from any of the any of the shows that you and I either do or listen to from other guys that there's really a hard way it's really difficult to look at why they're so bad and it's one of those yeah. you want to say bad because you I don't want to go well I mean they're just terrible because you look at their offensive numbers and that's not the case they just can't put it together to win games and that's that's it's kind of a mystery. 
Yeah, I mean, it's and again, we we've talked about it. It's, while the pitching staff takes the brunt of it, and they should. It's not just them, right? I mean, like last night, Jack Flaherty throws you know a really great game, but they the Cardinals don't score until what the sixth inning or something yeah. like that. So Nolan hits a home run. They only put up three total um, in a series where they had put up you know. Uh, you know, just the night before it put up nine. Yeah. Uh, it, it, and then they lose 10 to nine. You know, it's, it's like some of those offensive numbers come in games where the pitching staff's giving up a whole lot and it doesn't matter. And then it feels like when you do get a good pitching outing, then, you know, then the offense is struggles. And if you get the offense and the pitching together, then all of a sudden the bullpen comes in and says, here, it's our turn. Um, so it's, again, it's not, you know, that's one of the reasons where, you know, making a, a move didn't necessarily make sense even earlier in the year because you could have gone in and gotten, you know, one more starting pitcher. It wouldn't have made a difference, right? They need three or four. Um, they need, you know, the offense to be more consistent. They need a bullpen to not blow up at the wrong times, which that's, <laughs> just, the, that's just the nature of bullpens. But yeah, um, but- I, so I, I don't know. Well, and yeah, you're right. I mean, think about this scenario. You come off the the uh, you come off the series win against the Yankees. No, when, when you beat the Yankees in a in a in a well, we're gonna see them every year now, but mm-hmm. it's a, it's a big deal. You walk away with your head held high. Michaelis pitches well. The bullpen blows it for you. Cardinals twenty twenty three, right? You go yeah. into the uh, the second game, kind of what they've been. Wainwright just gets blown up. Can't throw anything for a strike, and when he does, it gets destroyed. Then you go into game three, which is a slugfest. And you're thinking, okay, listen, they won the first two games. That's when the, the next two go into the weekend series. You know, always looking ahead type deal. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me when Walker doesn't hit that go-ahead home run, you start thinking, oh, is this the moment? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Now, this is what we've been wanting to see, you know, off their closer, who's been fantastic. Walker hits the bomb to take the lead, and then the bottom of the ninth happens. Yep. Almost can't script it Yep. like that. And you're thinking – what in the heck is going on? Because it just, it's, it, they never have two factions of the game going at the right time. I mean, I hate to just subscribe to this idea of it's not their year. That's the kind of, yeah, seems like it's fate or cursed or baseball gods or whatever the case may be. But, you know, we talk about those, you know, uh, things of the, the, one in a thousand that, you know, at some point in time, all these things are going to hit at the same time. And it just, that's just the way the game goes. Sometimes it just isn't your year. And, you know, when you lose games like you did on Wednesday night, you just have to say, I think you just start your hand and say, okay, play out the string. Let's start fresh next year because this is just not happening. Sure. Well, and it turns into a deal where we kind of not to go, you know, 35 minutes back to the first of the show to where, even if you were to move off those pieces, are you doing yourself a disservice by not thinking, okay, let's just bring something in, fresh look, and let's just see if we can't play a little bit better and make it a little bit interesting. You know what I mean by that? I mean, yeah, I mean, you may win for losing type situation. And I, this is not an emotional bet for me. I'm not, I'm not hedging my bets because they just don't seem to have what it takes in 2023. There's somewhat, I'm somewhat excited to see what they do and how much they can move this roster a little bit just for the the interest factor and to see what they can bring in for for future because I'm a Walker believer to be honest with you. 
I feel like for being a 21-year-old, I think the sky's the limit. I think he's going to be a stud. Um, and I think there's some good pieces on the team that you think that next year. I'm also a big fan of Contreras, and I didn't think I would feel that way. But what he brings to the team and the energy level I really like, um, that's kind of promising. So you kind of want to see, hey, these guys that are up against um, – you know, contract figures that is going to make it tough to get to uh, to resign them anyway. Let's let's see what we can get back and and maybe catch a little fire just to make the second half of the season interesting. Yeah, and, and it does feel like you know you don't have to necessarily mess with the offense because it, it's just you just hope they're a little bit more consistent. But the, the pieces are there. Um, you just have to you know kind of remake the rotation, which is not easy to do. But we'll and we'll see how how active and how much they get out of their comfort zone this winter. But speaking of, you know, let's go back to speaking of the rotation though. Let's go back to Adam Wainwright and his injury. <laughs> We've gone um, up to 30 minutes off of that. Sorry. Yeah. yeah so, I get running. I'm sorry. It's fine. You know, they can, the, the people got fast forward button if they want to use it. Um, and they may fast forward to the end of the show. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Every time I talk, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Wainwright's out. Uh, he did say, in his thing that when he interviewed with him, it's like there is a difference between hurting and being hurt. And he was trying to find that, um, you know, if it's hurting, you can, you can grind through it. If it's hurt, then you need to take the time off and rest and, and get healed up. And I get that because no, no players hundred percent during a long season like that. And you just got to know your body well enough to try to figure out, you know, what you can get through. Um, because if you don't, you become the JD Drew, Tyler O'Neill type, right? That people yeah. complain about the fact that you're getting out of the lineup all the time. Um, but on the flip side, if you do it too long, then people are complaining about why didn't you, you know, why are you hurting the team? Why don't you, you know, go to the entry list? And so that's what Wayne Ryan's doing. I mean, and he says he's going to come back. He says he's going to come back strong. Um, you know, I know last year when Yachty went on the injured list and, you know, there was that concern about whether they'd hit 325 together. Um, you know, now this year he goes on the injured list and the fact that he's been ineffective, does he get, does he come back early enough and strong enough to get those two wins he's looking for to get to 200? Man, I, something tells me that he's going to probably be fairly decent second half of the year. I don't know what it is. I, there's a an element of respect for me to, for Wayne Wright to where it's like, Hey, listen, I'm not your best option right now. Let's try to figure this out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To where I could see him coming back and it kind of being that glorious end. You know, that may be yeah. wishful thinking. I'm not sure, but I don't know. Just something tells me that he has one more reinvention to finish the season. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. And it's almost impossible to try to vulture a win on, uh, you know, try to, you know, like, you know, <laughs> I don't want to see them, you know, pull a starter after four and two thirds and let him finish the fifth and get that in it. You know, yeah. that would, and the score wouldn't necessarily give it to him anyway. But, you know, I think that I, I feel kind of like you, I feel like he, he'll come back. There's no doubt he'll come back. Like you said, especially if they trade off these people, they're going to need somebody to fill innings and, you know, and he will probably be able to, you know, stay in their rotation and not have to worry about hurting the team because there's nothing to hurt by that point. Um, so, yeah, I think, I, I mean, I, hopefully he's back, you know, like mid August and it gives him like six weeks to get two wins. Um, 
I hope he gets there. Um, I would have hoped he would have been there by now because he needed what five to get in. What has he got this year? Three. Um, I don't know, but um, I don't, I don't know that I'd put money on it. Uh, you know, I'm because I'm, I'm a cautious person. Yeah, he's got three wins this year. Um, pretty cautious on that. I'd have to look at, you know, I'd have to look at matchups and stuff because we've talked about that. You know, with with what he pitches and what he's got these days, you don't want him going up against a really strong lineup because it's not going to go well for him. Um, I hope he gets them, but I don't know that I'm real confident that he will. Yeah. Yeah. I know that's, that kind of stinks even here. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, yeah, yeah. You know, that may be what they play for this year. So, you know, I, I, but I mean, I tend to agree with you, honestly. I, I do feel like we have one last couple of months, maybe a month to where it's going to be pretty good for him and uh, finish strong. And that may be the highlight of what the season turns out to be. Yeah. Hopefully so. Hopefully so. Um, other moves as of late, you know, Jake Woodford went on the injured list. Drew Verhagen went on the injured list. Oscar Vacado got waived. Um, and Matthew Levator went back down. Uh, most of those, I don't think matter too much. Um, Levator concerns me. Yeah. Levator is the one I want to, want to talk yeah. about. So go ahead. No, 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 no. I agree with you. It's one of those you're just like, oh man, what? Uh, you know, <laughs> I know he's young, but man, but has, has there been anything to show that he's just overly impressive to you? No, but I also don't understand the front office's usage of him. That or, is that know, is true. Because um, you know, Brendan Schaefer was talking about this yesterday, and I, and I was thinking the same. He has not had a regular turn through a rotation. They've either, you know, because of rainouts or because of other things, you know, that, you know, he came up earlier in the year and they put him in the bullpen for a, an outing or two, you know, and, and he pitched, you know, he threw in between starts, you know, this week he throws on short rest. Um, there's been times where, you know, especially with London and off days, he's had like six or seven days off. I'm not saying that that's the reason, um, but he was looking so good in Memphis and has not really approached that in the big leagues, which could be, you know, could be the difference. Could be he's just not going to make that step or not ready to make that step yet. But I also feel like he's not being treated like a top prospect, like the organization thinks he's a top prospect. Let's put it that way. Yeah. They're treating him as he's just another arm and it doesn't really matter what we get out of him. Feels a lot like Woodford. Uh, yeah. The uh, and that's that has seemed to been seemed to be the uh, the approach to any of these arms that come up anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know that that's were you a little surprised that it wasn't McGreevy, or do you think that there is complete contractual? I, well, they're never going to say it's contractual, or is it a hey, we want him to check all these boxes at every level before we make a move? I mean, that's you know, I would like to know the rationale behind some of those thinking. I would like them. I would like a guy to really be ready before they bring him up, especially in a season like this. McGreevy's, you know, been at Memphis. I'm trying to pull the stats up, but he hasn't been there all year long. So even if successful, it starts to, yeah, he's got 13 starts in Memphis and he's been pretty good. His walk rate's a little bit high. It looks like, and his ERA is 373, but, 
uh, batters are hitting 290 off of him. So to me, looking at that, I'm like, eh, I think I would like them to, to cook a little bit more um, because I think the Cardinals have been a little bit, maybe a little bit too aggressive with um, their promotions as of late. And I, it just, I don't know. It concerns me a little bit uh, yeah. to see that. So I would rather them, especially in a season that is lost. I mean, if McGreevy comes up, I don't, think he should come up until probably September and one of those he could be one of the two roster expansions um, but I'm fine with him just staying up because McGreevy is not also not I mean he's a first round pick he's moved up the ranks well but he's gonna be as far as I know and Kyle can correct me if he's listening um, he's gonna be more of what we've seen in the Cardinals more of the same yeah pick contact um you know, has to be really on to, you know, a number three, four starter, you know, as a C it's not, it's not like when they had Jack or Alex Reyes or even Luke Weaver coming up where they felt like there was a higher ceiling on those guys. Maybe not so much Weaver, but um, that the guys that could be a number one. And, and so Libertor had a little bit of that cachet when they traded for him, uh, at least a number two, right? He was going to be an, possible number two starter and it surprises me as much pushback as the front office has had over the randy rosarena trade and how good randy rosarena has been for tampa bay you would think they would do everything in their power to make sure matthew libertor is treated to, to maximize his potential so they could get a good return out of him and Instead, I mean, that was one of the reasons that he probably didn't make it up to the majors until he did last year. But now it seems like they've just thrown that out the window and said, he's, it's, he's, like you said, he's a Woodford, he's a Dakota Hudson, he's a guy that we can put in the bullpen, we can take out of the bullpen, we can go back and forth. And I would rather them find a way to commit to him. And maybe they will in the second half, maybe the second half, you know, after these trades that he can be part of that rotation. And they'll say here, every five days, just go out there and pitch. And then we really see what he's got. I agree that he may not develop the way that we think so. And I'm not blaming the front office entirely for that, but I would like to see it a little bit more consistency, see what that would help, help do for him. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, it's funny. When's the last, you kind of went through the list. The of and it was going to be my next question. When is the last rotation piece? Was it was it was it Reyes that came up with the most um, fanfare of hey, if we get this guy up, it's going to kind of give us a jolt. Um, it, but is there on the flip side? Is there a detriment to that now about you know the the uh, the the cautionary tale of of Alex Reyes? Well, maybe, but you know, it's it's if you remember, they brought up Alex Reyes and Luke Weaver at the same time and put Reyes in the bullpen. Yeah. Um, which, you know, that's not necessarily the same thing as what we're seeing here. Um, but and you know, given Reyes's what turned out to be medical history probably may have been a bit a good thing. But I, I think yeah, I think Reyes was the last guy that was really high flaherty maybe to some degree, but Alex Ray, I mean, Alex Reyes was like a number one prospect in baseball right in that yeah. range for a while, you know, coming up. And so 
once he got the call and they were, I think it was, what was it 2016? And I want to say they were in Chicago. So um, he and Weaver both came up and Reyes was available out of the pen. Weaver was going to pitch the day or two after, I think um, for his debut in, out of the rotation. Um, you know, yeah, I think that's probably it. And you have to go after, before that, I mean, you might have to go back to Rick and Keel. Yeah. Name, I don't know. Um, I might be missing somebody in there, but you know, a lot of the big pitchers that the Cardinals have had over the last two decades have come from somewhere else, right? Yeah. I mean, they traded for Adam Wainwright as a minor leaguer, but you know, he only was in the minor leagues for what one year for the Cardinals or not even that maybe. So you didn't really have that chance to build up the hype, even though you knew who he was. Um, you know, Chris Carpenter comes from outside the organization. Um, you know, that's, you know, even Miles Michaelis has come from outside the organization. Uh, and that gets to the idea as we have, you know, a lot of people have been talking about of the fact that they are having trouble developing pitching even. And I, I think that's ironic because the fact that, you know, five to seven years ago, all their top prospects were pitchers. Yeah. When you look at how those pitchers have turned out, you know, there's an argument that to be made that this development process has been going for a while, that they've just now got less talent in the organization. They've been able to, you know, it's, it's not that they can't develop it. It's just that there's less margin of error. Yeah. Yeah. No, I complete sense. It's a, in, you know what, everything that you just said kind of points to the fact that uh, things that we'd said for, for a while that they need to kind of change the mold on what they want out of the pitching. Mm -hmm. You know, and and they've shown that they can develop it, and it can be. I have no better way of putting it than it's. Uh, you know, they they develop a bunch of threes. They've yet to develop a true one, and that's yeah. what they need. I mean, I can't remember what stat came out yesterday about the uh, the last time the games between the last twelve strikeout games of the Cardinals yeah. had. Yeah, that kind of blew me away. I was like, oh man, it's like that's. <laughs> Boy, they have their mold, and they're just not going to break it. Yeah, it was what eighteen hundred something days. Yeah, it was. What was it days? I was, yeah, I couldn't remember. Yeah, yeah, and it's been. It was. Uh, you know, somebody. I think it was. Uh, underscore DP two eighty seven on, on Twitter. Um, looked it up. I saw it. It was. Uh, I think a June twenty eighteen game that Jack Flaherty pitched against the Brewers, and he struck out wow. thirteen. Man, um, and they lost. I think, but you know, I mean, that's that's how far back you got to go. Uh, to have, and that's, you're right there. It's, and it's pitch to contact. It's hmm, allows for cheaper pitchers, which of course people like to point out, but it's also, you know, effective when you had five gold glovers in the defense, you know, make them. Yeah. Know, the outs don't, you know, I, you know, pitch to contact a little, you know, probably not great, but you know, at least you're, you know, you're not worried about them hitting the ball. And so you can, you know, maybe make more pitches, go deeper in games, all that. And that's all fine and good. But one, now you don't have the guys that can pitch to contact um, as well. That, <laughs> no, I opened up, I, I made the mistake of opening up a post-dispatch article and I didn't know it had the, the uh, band <laughs> opening. I'm like, my goodness. Excuse me. Um, Anyway, uh, you know, they, they don't have the stuff. They don't have the stuff to get away with pitching to contact as much. And they don't have the defense anymore. 
I mean, the defense is just even the guys that should be good, like Nolan Arnauto, have struggled some this year, and they have made adjustments for the offense, and they have you know sacrificed uh, pitching our defense. Um, you know, the argue there is a significant argument to show that you know when Mike Schilt came in, he turned around the pit, the defense and the base running, and there's a significant argument to say that that has lapsed significantly um, over the last couple of years, and it's a little bit surprising just because Ollie Marmol came up through the same system that, that Mike Schilt did. Um, and I don't know if that's, I mean, some would like to try to maybe toss that into the analytics part of things. I don't know if that's true or not, or if it's just a different personnel or what, but you know, there's an argument to me that somebody, even if you're not, even if you're keeping Marmol, somebody needs to, you know, harness whatever Schilt harnessed and, and improve these things. Yeah. 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 They, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, it, there's just no right answer to it, and you're right. It's uh, it just feels like um, they're kind of just kind of trudging along in mud a little bit. And uh, I, I hate to say that this needs a whole organizational reset, but I do think it needs a refresh of some sort. Yeah, I mean, we and we've talked about it. We've talked about it for years, right? I, I keep pointing back to this article that I wrote like two or three years ago, where talking about how, how insular the Cardinals are. that they yeah, Oh, without a doubt. I, yeah, very much so. Yeah, they need people from outside this organization to bring in some new ideas, some new f- approaches. And they don't necessarily have to be, you know, they're not as absolutely right on this, but just being able to at least critically think about how you're doing things and what could you do differently. And, you know, I think they need that. And this organization is just not, you know, I think at the time I was writing the article, it was the fact that they were, you know, promoting Ricky Horton to uh, Mike Shannon's spot, you know, not bothering to go outside the organization to get an actual radio person, um, you know, not, um, you know, the, the, you know, they just keep bumping up Gershon. Randy Flores is a former Cardinal player who, I mean, don't be wrong. These guys are doing, do a good job. I mean, obviously we love, everybody loves Randy Flores and what he's done with the draft, especially after 2020. Um, but there's just not a lot of new voices, at least when they brought in Skip Schumacher to be the bench coach, he had been in some work with organizations, even though he was a Cardinal, um, you know, Joe McEwing the same way he's been on probably at the White Sox organization, probably longer than he was in St. Louis, I guess maybe so maybe, but you know, how much are you listening to these guys and how much inf- influence does a, you know, a bench coach or, hitting coach or something like that have versus, you know, front office types or the manager. So I, you know, I think they desperately need somebody to come in um, and give them a new look on some of these issues and, you know, at least try to, you know, you know, have a little devil's advocate in there. I know that Mo has said, you know, cause I asked him a few years ago what they did about decisions and somebody is supposed to devils, you know, always take the opposing side. Yeah. Um, but if you're, it's one thing to, to try to come up with the other side's arguments and it's another thing to actually be the other side. You know what I'm saying? Cause sometimes you come up with arguments that aren't really that great when you actually live the other side of things or know this stuff from personal experience, you can come up with better pushbacks. Yeah. 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 No, I completely agree. And the, uh, yeah, I, I thought about that several times this year of, you know, the, of your insular comment of they kind of need an opposing opinion just to, just to kind of see what, uh, 
what kind of churn that they could that they can come up with. I mean, it just and you could really feel it in the rotation this year of this the status quo probably wasn't going to work. Yeah. And you yeah. hope that they were going to outslug people and maybe overachieve where they where they did where you would think an opposing viewpoint would have been, you know, needed in this situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, again, you know, it's very possible that the front office, even if they brought in another pitcher, would have done it wrong. I mean, yeah. we, talked, well, we talked a lot about Rodon, who still hasn't made it. A, 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 I've always been know. against that move, by the way. Just because well, know, the injury yeah. history is just – but I know where you're going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So we were talking about strikeouts and, yeah. you know, that was the best thing. And, you know, right now it looks like the, the, move, the missed move was not trading for Pablo Lopez. But I don't know that the Cardinals could have given up – something like Arias either, you know, yeah. even if they had, you know, had these discussions, you know, and you know, that's, it also the thing is, unfortunately, like if they could have done that for Tyler O'Neill, they probably wouldn't have done it. Right. Even though they should have, yeah, they probably would have said, well, we need Tyler and the, all, the lineups, you know, we don't have, you know, the outfield's going to work itself out and blah, blah, blah. And weren't necessarily expecting Jordan Walker to be ready and all this. And then you look back and you're like, missed opportunity mm. um, and we've we've had a few of those sometimes so um i don't know i i think that we talk a lot about adam wainwright tarnishing his legacy and i'm putting that in quotes by having a rough year even though everybody you know nobody's gonna remember this year when you think about adam wainwright for the most part i mean nobody remembers that bob gibson you know got pulled out of the rotation and had a five era in his last year nobody worries about that but I do wonder if, if we're talking about tarnishing legacies, if John Mozeliak hasn't done that a little bit to his, right? Um, if he had left pre-COVID, his the opinion of him is a lot more than it is today. You know, when he if he had able been able to move into that president of baseball operations, big picture thinking, and let Gersh actually be the GM, you know, I mean, everybody's yelling at Gersh now, but. Um, I still think that people have a better idea of John Mozeliak. And now, you know, again, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, you're still going to be thinking that John Mozeliak is one of the best GMs ever in Cardinal history. And there's a, you know, that's a high bar because you got Branch Rickey and, and people like that. And, you know, Whitey Herzog was GM when he remade that 80, you know, 82, the 82 team. Uh, you know, th- it's a high bar to be a good GM in St. Louis. And, and John Mozeliak is right in there. But, you know, his current, his current cachet is not nearly that high. And um, you do wonder if, if a game has passed by a little bit. I mean, when, a, when an organization is not, especially, I mean, just on the basic thing, isn't embracing strikeouts, yeah. uh, then you got to say, well, what are we doing here? Well, and you know, I'm a believer in the front office and I've been on here to say this for years that I, that I mm-hmm. think so, but I, I do think that it's troublesome whenever we were sitting and he made the comment eye to eye that his role was going to be to look a little bit further at the growth of the game. And the fact that they haven't grown in six years is kind of, kind of makes you wonder, you know, if, if that was the right play, you know, if there isn't a, let's do a little bit more of a timeshare, because if you remember, that's when all the pitching labs and everything were being, uh, being constructed and the plans were being laid out. And, and he made the comment of, um, my goal is, go, or my job will be to further, you know, I don't know how to, to grow this organization to catch up to the times or maybe surpass what other people are thinking. And that just hadn't happened. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, 
you do factor in the COVID stuff because I think that did change the trajectory of the front office quite a bit of, of how that, and especially because, you know, the Cardinals were besides the Marlins hit the most by COVID, right. And a lot of things changed, I think, by the, the responsibility that John Mosley like felt for the organization at that point in time. And I get that. Um, but you wonder if they had been farther down that road beforehand, if, you know, that's still, that's a more of a gross thing. If he wouldn't have felt like he needed to do that and he would have been able to do some of that big picture thinking, um, you know, they've had a lot of issues with that lab in Florida. It's not all them. Uh, yeah. I think there's some legal stuff and things of that nature as well, but still, yeah, they're that far behind. It's like somebody pointed out on, I think there was an article floating around this week on Twitter about, uh, one of the guys in the draft from Wake Forest and it said something about the Wake Forest pitching lab. And I said, Wake Forest has a pitching lab and the Cardinals don't. Uh, and that's, that's not a great look. I agree. Um, and I would, I would hope that they would try to do rectify that because we're seeing that, you know, what we're seeing a lot of that go out of, out of the organization, which may be good. You know, you've seen like Newt Barr and others go to driveline and things like that and come back and be successful. And, you know, that's kind of what we're talking about is that getting that outside perspective um, can only help. And it's, and it's a, and it's credit if they even have an option in it, they may not, but I think it's a credit to the organization that they allow or maybe even encourage those players to go to those kind of places um, and get that kind of work in uh, to try to make themselves better. Yeah, that's I'm. I know that we're going to be uh, we're going to be looking for the big at the big picture to see hey how you can improve and what could eventually just be an outlier season. But you know, there I mean, questions are being raised. You know, the uh, the cup of goodwill is empty. You know, it's, yeah. uh, there's going to be uh, there's going to be an ask for return just because you've set those standards. And, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens in the offseason to match those. Yeah, and I mean, when you're talking about the Cup of Goodwill, you know, that cup got drained quite a bit over the last two or three years, right? Because there's been so many opportunities at the trade deadline or in the offseason that haven't been taken advantage of. Now, obviously, it got a huge refill when they traded for Nolan Arenado, and then had a big input when they traded for Paul Goldschmidt. But, you know, when they didn't chase after Bryce Harper, when they didn't go get pitching this winter, when they have, you know, made the little small moves at the deadline instead of getting a Juan Soto or something like that, which they were at least engaged in, um, that that drains from that. And then, yeah. Then this season puts a hole in the cup, and then you know, like you said, there's nothing left. So they've got a lot of work to do this off season, and I, I hope, and this kind of goes back to what the front office sees, if the front office sees reality versus what they want to see, but I hope they realize that they have to do a lot. They have to make a grand gesture, if you will, to restore some of that because you can't just get by on the status quo like you have in the last few years and say, well, we're a playoff team and we're going to be a playoff team. And if everything goes right, you know, we'll be a world series team and, you know, we'll tinker around the edges. It's obviously even, you know, if you just tinker around the edges on this team, it's a, you know, maybe a 500 team, right. Uh, next year, you've got to do more than, than just tinker. And I hope they realize that and they don't just write this off as, well, this was, you know, one in a million. It's going to be better next year. It has to be. Yeah. 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 That's, uh, yeah, that's where I think that the fan base is leaning as of, hey, we've waited for something like this to happen. We knew it was coming. Change it and let's make some big moves to see that it doesn't happen again. Where I think the latter may be right. It's a, hey, this was just an outlier year and we're going to stick with our program. That, that, that will be, <laughs> 
that's going to be a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. Cardinals only have one all-star this year at Nolan Arenado. It doesn't look like, I mean, there's always a possibility, I guess, of some others making it if there's injuries. I, you know, maybe a Jordan Hicks could sneak in there or whatever, but probably that's the only representative. Um, that's not always been indicative of a bad season. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, it, because of where they play, you know, a lot of Cardinals aren't getting voted in by the fan base and, um, you know, doesn't always fall back. So it's not, it's not terribly indicative, but it's not great. I mean, cause really Goldie. Yeah. But you know, so many good first basemen. Uh, Hicks has pitched well enough, but he had a you know, struggle at the beginning of the year. Um, you know, Helsley's hurt. Um, not exactly a whole slot slew of people to be um, watching for. Maybe Nolan Gorman, if he hadn't had slipped as much, maybe you have made an argument for him. Uh, Brendan Donovan, you can make probably a pretty decent argument for him. Utility guys don't typically make the all-star game. Um, So does that diminish you watching it or um, are you still just excited? excited I'm a big fan of the all-star game. The, um, I like the celebration of the game. I like the, I like the matchups. I like the home run derby. I, I like everything that comes with it. So I, I'll watch it. Yeah, Cardinal participation is, is typically secondary to me on that. Yeah. Um, I will say that it's, I still think it's frustrating that they have gone to jerseys for that game instead of using everybody's home jersey. Yeah. You know, up until what, three years ago, they had a jersey for the, all, for the you know, all the festivities and then they let them all play their their home jersey um, or road jersey, depending on where they with the one, but their their personal jersey in the game. And I always thought that was really cool. You know, you saw all the different jerseys and you saw them. Yeah. And, you know, you kind of knew which, you know, nowadays, I mean, if you're not, I mean, I'm sure it lists it on there, but at a glance, you knew, oh, okay, you got the Padres guy coming up or, oh, you got the Mets guy coming up or the Cardinal guy, you know, and the you know, Cardinals have such a great uniform that you like to see it out there. So I really wish they would go back to, that in the game and instead of letting them just use it in the home run derby, but you know, it is what it is. Um, you could always buy a home Jersey. You can't buy an all-star Jersey. <laughs> you got to sell those. You know what I'm saying? That is true. That yeah. is true. And I will say, I like the colors of Seattle. So I think this year's jerseys are better than a lot of the ones that you see, because usually, honestly, the all-star jerseys are terrible. Um, I, I feel like they, do they embrace some weird colors too often? Um, but that's just my opinion. I'm no fashion person. No. Um, also, before we wrap it, I did notice before we started the show, Jose Fermin is supposed to, is coming to the team. Uh, I was going to meet them in Chicago. The other side of this move hasn't been announced yet. Well, this part actually hasn't been announced yet either. It's just Derek Gould and, and others reporting it. Yeah. Um, I would assume that means Tommy Edmonds going on the injured list, but Tommy Edmonds played in, you know, yeah. he came in to play center field last night. Um, perhaps I think that, I hope that was more about getting Jordan Walker out, but you'd think that they could have just left Dylan Carlson in center, but that's another story. And we didn't. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I didn't want to get into that because we've yeah. been beating that up lately. So, yeah, but um, so it could be Edmonds going on the injured list. Um, doubtful. Like we were talking, it's not kind of any kind of trade thing, but it just, Another indication of that roster turn that they're, we're seeing right now, right? I mean, Luke and Baker's come up a couple times. Uh, they've tried for me, you know, like I said, they brought up Leahy to Bay. He'll, he'll make his debut probably this weekend uh, out of the bullpen. It's just kind of, 
I don't know what it's what they're doing necessarily. I don't know what the necessarily the end goal is, but at least it at least it gives us something interesting, something different. <laughs> something different, I guess you could say. Yeah. Now, does it not mean that Baker goes back down? I think it could be, um, but um, Jeff Jones was indicating that you know, the White Sox was a good matchup for him. It probably mm-hmm. means Baker goes back down, but then, I mean, you just dis, you just earlier this week um, designated Mercado for assignment to bring Baker back up. You know, what's, I think that looks like, what are you doing? You know, um, and I mean, but you know, what are they doing? <laughs> so, I mean, it could be, uh, that would be the easiest move. Um Besides Tommy Edmund on the injured list, or I, I'm still a little bit surprised because you need that DH spot. You know, Brendan Donovan can still hit, but he's not supposed to play the field. <laughs> yeah. Not supposed to. They put him out at first base a couple times. Not supposed to throw. I'm a little bit surprised again, given where this team is and that there's not going anywhere that they didn't put Donovan on the DL a week or injured list a couple days ago let him get through the all-star break and, you know, not worry about it. You know what I'm saying? Because like right now, if he's DHing, you have to have Contreras catch or Contreras is out of the lineup, but Contreras is actually hitting a little bit. So, you know, you brought up Ivan Herrera, who you want to see, um, want to see play, but there's not really a spot for him like there was with Kisner when Contreras would DH at times. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I the Don. Okay, the Donovan deal had bothered me because they put him in the field several times after the no throw, and then they did the same thing with Edmund last night. And uh, the yeah. the roster had just been weird from the beginning. You know what I'm saying? Well, I would yeah. say from the beginning, in the last couple of weeks, with all those kind of scenarios. And you know, how many at bats has Baker had? I don't want to look it up, but it's not many. No, no, it's. I mean, he, he got to start the first game Yeah, he came up, and then he got to start – he started the first – or the second game in the Yankees. Double, he started in the doubleheader. He's probably got – he's got 19. Pulled it up. 19 wow. at bat in seven games that he's actually played. Um, let's see. He got called up. The original time he got called up was beginning of June. Um it went back down when Newt Bar came back middle of June, then he's been up. So, yeah, he's played in seven games of probably 15, 20, maybe. Wow. Um, so he hasn't, he hasn't done, he's got 20 plate appearances, so he does have a walk. Uh, so, and he, you know, he's not lit the world on fire, eight strikeouts or whatever. But yeah, you'd think that if you're calling these guys up, and that's what we've talked about with Juan Yepes, uh, when he was up. Ivan Herrera now with him up. You call these guys up. Use them. Yeah, exactly. Don't, don't just sit. Th- don't just let them sit. I, I get that you need a bench. Although, again, with the DH, it's less of an issue. Uh, I, you got to have these guys bench, and you got to try to rotate them through. But it feels like they just wind up sitting and rusting. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, that hadn't changed much. They're really bad about that, <laughs> and have been for for a while. Yeah. And that's and that's that's the downside of having young guys, young talented guys, right? Because 
you can't necessarily sit them as easily. If you go out and get a, a 34-year-old journeyman, Corey Dickerson, like we had a Corey Dickerson last year, and if you let him sit on the bench for a week and a half and he doesn't play, nobody cares, right? It's not a big deal. You know, he's there just to provide a hit here and there and and all that. But when you've got guys like Baker and Yepes and Herrera that are still developing, you know, if you're not going to play them, leave them in Memphis, let them play. Um, or yeah. trade them someplace where they can't play. And I, I, I don't know. I'm very interested to see because I'm still not sure how Herrera works in this Contreras era, especially since Kisner has, has done better as the backup. You know, I don't know how all that works long term. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if they could get a qual, if they could get a quality like a really good, almost ready for the majors pitcher, and have Herrera at the deal, I think they would do it. But you know, then there's that risk. Yeah, I, I, I hope that they're open for business regardless. Yeah, mm. yeah. There's not many that you know Goldschmidt and Arenado. I can't. You know, there's some talk about, but you're not going to move in Contreras. So there's there's three guys right there. Walker, um, Mason Wynn. Uh, am I missing anybody else? I think that's about all the only ones I would say would be like not touchable. Yeah. I, I mean, there's others that I wouldn't necessarily want them to move, but in the right deal, I think they could. And I, 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 I mean, I'm like I said, just trying to just run in my head. I don't know that there's anybody else. I mean, I don't mind. not going anywhere, but that's, that doesn't really mean anything. Um, you know, I, I can't think of anybody else that I would say I'm not listening on. Um, but everybody else. Sure. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I agree. So, so, Anyway, we've run a little long this week. Um, Alan's going to be gone for the next couple. Um, going to take some time off, head off to Hawaii. Hopefully, not catch COVID this time around. <laughs> yeah, um, no. you know, um, I am my personal plan right now. We're going to try to do a All Star Roundtable on Wednesday. It'll be on this feed, so you'll have something this week, and I'll we'll have to show the the week. Alan's going to find somebody. I won't sit here and talk to myself. That would not be entertaining. Um, but until next time, for Alan, I'm Daniel. Good night. Good night.